I actually thought that uh, what's her name, the the documentary woman, the reporter girl, was going to actually become a killer with him. Thought he was going to talk her into that. We'll get to that in the podcast. That's, okay, that's the best part of the movie because whenever they do that part in the movie, it's like the best thing ever. Like. I'll get to it, yeah. but there, there's a thing to that. So. so I'm sad, and you know I don't care about spoilers, um, but I was like, because of everything that's going on right now, I'm like, I'm so pressed for time, and I was like, I, I need to finish watching this, I need to finish watching this, so yeah, I didn't get to finish watching it, but from what I've seen, wow, so many like references to so many horror films. I can't believe Herschel was in it. Yeah. Yeah, when was this uh, made? And I didn't know this because they never bring it up in the movie, but he actually, and I'm going to mention it on the trivia, he's supposed to be a specific slasher that we've already covered. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I think I know what you're talking about. Okay. Um, what was I going to say? So, yeah. Um, I guess let's get through it, huh? Yep. Let's start it up. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Better clear it out now. Welcome to Death Holler. Do you like scary movies? Welcome to season three, slash or pass. There will be laughter, <laughs> tears, <laughs> tender moments. Jeez, jeez, my special, special boy. But most of all, screams. Remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you have a killer time. Are we doing a cold open? We are not. <laughs> All right, folks, here we go. Welcome back to Death Holler. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. Death. And when I'm not running the Death Holler in as a dead and breakfast, I'm making sure to pull elaborate pranks on all my guests. Joining me as always is the rising star in the slasher world, La Urena. Did they ever finish that documentary about you, Urena? It's still ongoing and we're trying to get funding. So if you're interested and you would like to help create, finish this film, um, you can subscribe to my 
OnlyFans. No, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to think of something related to horror, but I just came out with OnlyFans. I'm too tired. Your only slashers. Oh yeah, only slashes. I don't know. Uh, today we celebrate the jokers of the slasher genre. First up, we have the original April Fool's Day from 1986. They actually did make a remake, but it was straight to video and it's total trash. It looks horrible just in photos alone. <laughs> that is so sad. Uh, followed by the fantastic horror movie parody, Scary Movie from 2000. And finally, we wrap up or everything up with the slasher mockumentary, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon from 2006. So finish pouring the pickle juice in your coworker's coffee, place that saran wrap across the office toilet seat, and join us for a bit of tomfoolery and some slashing fun. If you're enjoying the podcast, we would appreciate it if you could take the time to like, comment, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. Also, consider following us on social media. You can find us on TikTok and Twitter, well, as long as TikTok's still around, under Death Holler Pod, and we can be found on Instagram and Facebook under Death Holler Podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. But first, let's attack some bees. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! I'm my eyes! I was actually screaming that at one point during the watching of this movie for the attack of the bees. <laughs> oh, my eyes. Um, <clears throat> the one I'm covering this episode is uh, Slaughter High from 1986, the same year as April Fool's Day. Uh, taglines for this movie is Marty Majored and Cutting Classmates. Wow. <laughs> there was some, the other ones that they had where the student body is going to pieces and there's horror in the halls, lynching in the lunchroom and murder in the metal shop. So there you go, folks. Oh That's the God. kind of movie you're getting. I mean, I'm not going to lie. They had a lot to work with. So there's <laughs> that. Um, what they did with that. Mm, I don't know. Uh, directed by George uh, Dugdale, Mark Ezra, and Peter McKenzie Litton. Uh, written by the same three gentlemen. Uh, principal players, I'm going to make this quick just for the primary people because the acting in this movie was atrocious. <laughs> uh, imagine that. Uh, we have Carolyn Monroe playing Carol, the final girl. Uh, but she ends up dying toward the end of the movie. Uh, so oh. I don't know if, you, if she technically fits the mold. And also... Based upon how the movie's set up, she's uh, one of those, uh, she's like the hottest girl in the class, and she actually is the one that's used as debate to kind of get the uh, slasher, or the, the nerd that turns into the slasher later on, into the situation where he's like humiliated by the rest of his classmates. So she's not like the best person ever, so there's that whole thing too. And it's been like, it's kind of... Uh, hinted at in the movie that she does like now that it's so many years on I'll get to the synopsis here in a minute but like she does like topless shoots and is almost in pornography at the point whenever the, the movie takes place majority of it so she's not quite a regular final girl uh, for reference this is not my documentary that they're <laughs> making even though I have an OnlyFans I don't, I don't have an OnlyGrams I'm too old OnlyGrams OnlyGrams there we go <laughs> uh, I will give her this though. She, uh, even though she doesn't bear them in the movie, uh, she is pretty stacked. Uh, she was a pinup uh, type uh, model or whatever, and was in movies just for her looks mainly. Nice. So, 
Uh, we have Simon Scudamore playing Marty, the uh, jester slasher. He's got this creepy, that's like the school mascot, like this jester's mask that he wears throughout as he's killing people. And then we have Carmine Inaconi, who plays Skip, the team captain and the bully. And he looks nothing like any ever uh, any team captain you've ever seen in an American horror movie. But we'll kind of get to that because this was filmed in Britain primarily. So, ah, okay. Um, he's got more of a <laughs> soccer team captain look or something. So Okay. Uh, synopsis after a group of popular students plays a series of cruel April Fool's Day pranks on the class nerd an accident occurs and he is horribly disfigured now mind you uh, this is I mean he's not only burnt but hydrochloric acid falls on him so that's oh my god that's what you're getting with this movie Uh, Many years later, each of the popular students uh, are sent an invitation to attend their high school reunion at their old seemingly abandoned high school (laughs) Uh, the nerd has returned to seek his vengeance, and the cool kids are going to pay. Bodies melt in acid baths. Uh, tainted beer causes guts to explode. Nice. And extramarital affairs become electrifying, and lawnmowers <laughs> chew through lower bodies. Oh, my God. Um, and that's the one thing I was going to say about this movie. Like, the acting is terrible. The film, you know, we talk about film quality. It's not really there. It look, you, you can tell it was a cheaper movie of the time. But they went all out with these. Like, the kills in this are some of the most inventive. Like, the, yeah. the, the extramarital affair that I'm talking about is that there's this heavier set woman who was one of the, the you know, class bullies. Apparently, I don't know if it's because she's a hoe and, like, that's what does it. Because she's not a looker, especially not compared to Carolyn Monroe. But, like, she's <clears throat> married to one dude in the movie. But then, like, once he goes off to try to fix, like, this lawnmower to try to break out in, <laughs> and I don't know what the thought was. That was their one way of getting out of, like, this building was to power up the uh, lawnmower and then use it to bust through one of the doors. Uh, it was a riding lawnmower, you know. Yeah. So, uh, while he's doing that, uh, she uh, was she was dating previously. Whenever it you know shows them in high school at the beginning of it, setting up everything with this other guy, and like she uses that time to get back with him, letting him know that their child is uh, the child she has is actually his, and that she basically cucked the other guy, and she's been biding her time till she can get back with him anyways. And uh, they go to a screw, and like while they're on the bed, and she's one of the two sets of breasts in the movie. And I, I mean, I guess hers are bigger, but they're they're the sagging kind, so it's whatever you want to do with that. But while they're uh, while they're getting it on in the bed, Marty attaches a battery and leads to the the metal frame that she's like holding on to, and basically fries her ass while she's getting ridden, you know, to orgasm. So. That's a that's definitely a kill that you won't see in most other movies. Did it shock the person who was inside of her? Uh, he ends up dead, but it doesn't really show much with him. Like uh-huh. it mostly shows her face becoming blackened because like she can't like let go, and then he just gets knocked off of her immediately, and it's just and he's kind of and I think you see a little bit of blood maybe trailing out of his mouth, but that's the end of him <laughs> without really showing much. Yeah. Oh my god. What the hell? That's like the second death we've seen in the past two movies were electrocution by sex. Exactly with the Leprechaun movie. Execute order six. Execute order sixty nine. <laughs> <laughs> I expect you to die. Um, oh my god! Uh, the other one that's interesting is uh, because where Marty dies of like the hydrochloric acid, or he doesn't die, but he's like disfigured by it. Uh, one of the people, like, and I don't, I can't remember. 
I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention if she was at the beginning of the movie because outside of the three characters I mentioned, everybody else is just kind of like fillers in the movie. Yeah. But um, there's a, a another lady that's with the group, and and she's like, uh, she seems like she's a significant other or one of the the classmates. But anyways, like she watches one of the the guy, you know, drink the beer, and then his stomach just basically explodes in front of her, and then she's covered in his blood. So she decides to go take a bath in like this school, like abandoned schools, like old like locker room. Okay. Which you know, whatever. I mean, you're probably going to catch some flesh eating bacteria that way, but that whatever. Um, but while she's in there and she's taking the bath, like the bath, the, the color changes to the same color of the hydrochloric acid mixture that Marty was burned with. And then like, you just see like, and she gets dissolved into a skeleton basically. Nice. That That's a pretty good one. Yeah. And then of course the guy who, um, who was operating the lawnmower while he's trying to fix it. He's got it, the, the lawnmower jacked up and he's underneath it trying to get it to, you know, started. Marty comes up and he uh, turns on the lawnmower's motor and, and then he lowers the, uh, he, you know, the jack or whatever. So let fall. And this guy, like he's pretty strong. I mean, he holds the entire thing up for a good long bit, but then Marty like slashes his arms until he drops uh, it. And then you just see his legs get like chewed through. Nice. So some pretty good kills in this movie. Um, keeping it short on this, just skipping the rating. Um, I'm going to give it the next Nick Cage rating of the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, there's some fun visuals, but otherwise, there's nothing to really write home about about the movie. Yeah, it's, you know, it's. I mean, if if you want some inventive kills, you'll get that. Uh, the one lady who gets dissolved. I mean, she also bears a breast, but I mean, she's on the smaller side, so it's really the one that you would have wanted to see never never shows anything Ooh. so you kind of get teased <laughs> um i do have some interesting trivia about this movie though before we move on so carolyn monroe when she played the high school student in this in the opening of the movie was 35 years old at the time of the filming i could never uh and it's funny too because i mean like she looks super hot but then at the same time she looks like she's i mean way too old to be a high school student so that makes sense okay uh the writers, directors, uh, Doug Dale and uh, Peter Litton, uh, later said that they were both worried that working on the film may have contributed to Simon Scudamore's suicide. <gasps> so the slasher in the movie, uh, the actual actor, he died of an intentional drug overdose shortly after they uh, uh, the filming ended in this movie. Damn. Um, however, uh, at the funeral, his mother you know, alleviated some of that concern for the two saying that her son had been dealing with depression and uh, for a long time. And that actually working on the movie was one of the few sources of joy she saw him have toward the end of his life. So, uh, the film was shot entirely in London, England with a predominantly British cast adopting American accents to varying degrees (laughs) of success. And uh, you kind of get that toward the end of the movie because one of the actresses, like, she's, like, really laying it on thick. And, like, she's supposed to be, like, almost like somebody who's been overwhelmed by what she's going through. But it just seems like way overacting. And it's probably maybe because she was struggling with the accent a little bit, too. That might be adding to it. Um that, but they did all that to give the impression of the movie was set in the United States. However, there's this weird thing in the movie where that where Skip tells, I um, mean, it's just Skip, and then that that actress I was talking about, and um, and uh, the uh, main actress Caroline Monroe. Uh-huh. 
they're the only ones left and, and skip tells them basically the uh, setting up the lore of this. If they can only survive till noon on April fool's day, because that's whenever they, you know, pulled the prank originally. So, yeah. but if they can only survive until that, until noon, they're fine because Marty cannot pull any more pranks on them deadly or otherwise because April fool's day uh, ends at that time. Well, that made no sense to me. I'm like, what the fuck are they talking about? Um, and it turns out that that is the rule in Britain that they stop a, whoever does any pranks after noon in Britain on April Fool's Day is deemed April Fool, and they're actually the one that gets chastised. But in America, it's an all-day event. So oh, like, okay. That, that's what doesn't make any sense <clears throat> in the in the context of the movie. Okay. Um, the location used for the exterior of the school is also featured in Animal Ants music video for Goody Two Shoes. Uh, in which Carolyn Monroe actually makes an appearance. So it's oh, wow. kind of interesting. Uh, and it had no links to this movie, so it's kind of a weird coincidence that they did that. Uh, the film's working title was actually April Fool's Day. However, as we'll get to in a minute, Paramount had that uh, title already, uh, you know, had the rights to that. And so, and, and they actually released the movie under that title the same year as uh, Slaughter High, so that, that's why it had to be changed. <laughs> Bitch, you thought. <laughs> uh, but I did see that they kept the title April Fool's Day in some, like, areas where I guess uh, the rights were kind of, like, in flux. It was, like, like an Asian country, and, oh. you know, like, there was one more, you know. Interesting. Uh, Carol's uh, overlong chase scene toward the end of the film was added during filming when the directors realized their 90-page script would only come to about 75 minutes. The sequence was largely improvised on the spot. And that's my biggest source of uh, contention about this movie because watching it, it's pretty, I mean, you know, like action-oriented. Like you're seeing somebody getting like, you know, like hung on like a, you know, coat hanger or like, you know, like one that's on the wall or something. Uh, or or getting slashed or something, uh, you know, every few minutes in this movie. But when it gets to the end, it just drags. Ugh. And it's just, it's one of those things where they just so scene after scene, uh, Carolyn Monroe, like, uh, you know, running from like Marty and like, you know, and then him getting knocked over and then, and it, and you can tell that it was padding. And it's just like, when you're watching, it's like, hurry the fuck up. What, what are you doing? You know? Yeah. Um, and they should have cut it. They should, I mean, I know that for theatrical releases, they've got to be at a certain time frame. But and and this movie is one of the shorter ones. Like it's it's kind of amazing watching these older movies because we've gotten so used to movies like nowadays being like upwards of three hours. Yeah. And um, watching these older movies, I was like, you know, into it, and I was looking, I was like, hell, this movie's only got like twenty minutes left, and I barely started it. You know, it's one of those things, but. That, that last 20 minutes of this one really drags. Mm, I would have hated it. <laughs> uh, but, and then finally, a significant portion of the movie score was actually supplied by Harry Manfredini, the same <gasps> guy who, who was the composer for Friday the 13th, and he actually reused some of his work from Friday the 13th in this movie. Holy shit. Yeah, as soon as he said the name, clearly I recognized. Um. And and that's funny going into the the actual main movie that we'll get into right now, uh, April Fool's Day, the, the holiday slasher from 1986, because the main, uh, skipping ahead just a second, the main final girl of this movie is actually a final girl we've already had. It's Amy Steele, who played Jenny in Friday the 13th Part 2. I was wondering where <laughs> I recognized her for, but what was different about her in this movie? 
Uh, I don't like, I guess like she was a little, she, I don't know. I mean, she looked a little older, obviously, cause I think this was filmed oh, yeah. afterward, but like she also the way they made her, like she was more put together throughout this movie. She, yeah. like in the other one, she was more of a tomboy like look and all that. And this one that she, I mean, she didn't go like super into that, but like she was, you know, had, you know, more done up and that yeah. sort of thing maybe. Okay. Uh, but I just find that funny that both movies that were going to be called April Fool's Day have links to Friday the 13th because one had the actual Final Girl and then the other one had the actual music from Friday the 13th. Yeah. Oh, my God. I did. I Okay. I know what it is. For some reason, in Friday the 13th, she had more of a red face for some reason, like sunburnt almost. That is true. Yeah. Okay. Like she Because where she was a camp counselor and been out in the sun all the time. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyways, April Fool's Day, 1986. Tagline is good friends with some time to kill. Mm, they could have done better. Yeah, they could have. Uh, directed by Fred Walton, uh, written by Danilo Bach, uh, music by Charles Bernstein, who actually we've covered before. Um, uh, I'm fairly sure that, I, and I can't remember which movie it is, uh, I want to say that he was the one that did the music for uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, I will. I'm going to spoil right now. The music was pretty legit during tense, intense scenes. Uh, and and I, and there's something else about the music too that I noticed, and I don't know if they meant this. And the only reason I got the reference was because of you know because they had like these bird sounds at one point in time in the movie. Oh yeah, and the music was underlaid underneath it, and it sounded like the music was almost like a whippoorwill's type call or something, like the way that it. Like, you know, it, it was like this synth score, and I, I I watched a little behind the scenes with Bernstein talking about this is one of the first movies he ever did with a synthetic or a synth score instead of a analog, but um, but it had like that that sound that was almost like a digitized like whippoorwill or something like that. It and it kind of matched with like some of the, the bird calls in the movie. It was kind of interesting whenever it happened that way yeah um he, the birds well first off um he yes he did do a nightmare on elm street 1984 specifically so yes and then um the birds were very it was very calming i was i was falling asleep <laughs> i'm gonna be honest uh this movie and not in sleep in a bad way this movie was calming to me in a different way that and this is skipping ahead a little bit to the review about the movie itself, but the way they filmed it, it was like a, it almost looked like a late summer, uh, oh, you know, yes. look to it. And it had that golden hour look to most of the yes. scenes where, and I was just like, it, it, it gave me nostalgia for like, you know, my childhood and like long summer days, like, you know, yeah. while you're waiting for school to start back. I mean, even when you see one of the um, guys stand, he's just standing, well, all of them, like some of them are sitting out on the porch, one of the guys out on the dock, you know, and just the the birds and the quietness. Um, and then the fact that they're on the lake mm -hmm. and it's got the water shining. Yeah, you got crickets chirping, you got frogs, you got birds. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually, I was like, this is actually a soothing movie. It I was. kind of liked it. Uh, well, yeah, it definitely had its moments. Um, made for a budget of $5 million. It only made $13 million, but at least it, you know, yeah. it made some profit. Um. Like I said, Amy Steele plays Kit Graham. Um, she's the final girl in the movie, and she was Jenny in part two, one of probably the uh, debatable, I mean, amongst the fans, but probably the final girl from Friday the 13th. Uh, Deborah Foreman uh, played Muffy slash Buffy St. John, <laughs> who is the slasher in the movie. 
and she was in Valley Girl with Nick Cage. Oh my God. <laughs> um, Real Genius, Waxwork, Sundown, and then also Sundown the Vampire and Retreat. Uh, funny thing I, I heard recently about Nick Cage, like because um, John Wick 4 is out. He shared this story on the, the red carpet of like Renfield or something like that about how Keanu came over like to his house and uh, like because they're supposed to be buddies off, off screen or whatever, even though they've never made a movie together and uh, played pool with him. And it was like the first time that Keanu had ever played pool uh, or what is that's why he told Nick Cage and he kicked Nick Cage's ass. Like, oh my God. Every shot that he went to make Keanu was like a, like a super talent at it. Like he made everything trick shots and all. Is Keanu <laughs> going to be the new, like Chuck Norris? <laughs> like, you know how Chuck Norris, like the, the, it's the legend, like, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Can you imagine though? Like, like I, I want a film of Nick Cage himself self playing himself yeah like in uh, you know massive the you know massive talent movie and then keanu playing himself and the two of them hanging out like i just want to see the two of them hanging out together that that sounds amazing i would die the fans would die uh the world would peacefully just come to an end um (laughs) happily you know it's that's just how we were meant to go uh i can't like what is it like to be Keanu, you know, to fucking be able to sit on a park bench and read a fucking newspaper and people fucking respect that. They know it's Keanu, but they're not running up to him like maniacs. He fucking takes the bus or, you know, whatever. He, he public transportation um, doesn't know anything, but knows everything and is yeah. super down to earth. It, yeah. He's like, it, it's <clears throat> and like, in D and D terms or whatever, like if anybody plays that game, it's almost like he's a character that, like in the movies he plays, he's got like a low intelligence because he barely says anything, barely yeah. speaks, and, and like his vocabulary is just like it, it, this is a minor spoiler in John Wick Four. He literally just says yeah, like a bunch oh of my times. God. That's, that's it. But um, but he's like super wise. Like yes. whatever you like. Oh, he's enlightened as fuck. Is he Jesus? Keanu, are you Jesus? Like, you could tell us now. Like, you could tell us. Some of us Uh, have been waiting. But I just thought that was so interesting hearing that from Nicolas Cage, the two of those guys hung out together and that, like, you know. I'm surprised Nicolas Cage said he got his ass kicked because, I mean, Nicolas Cage comes off kind of pompous sometimes, you know. Yeah, so. he does, and that that was the hilarious part. That that's what like most people were like, you know, <clears> uh, that's why it was brought up because the fact that he was, you know, had enough humility to admit that he just outright got it, and that's how he phrased it. He said, "Yeah, he kicked my ass." That's you so know. funny. I love it. Uh, we have Ken Olant playing Rob Ferris, uh, the wannabe pre-med uh, in the movie, and uh, Kit's boyfriend. And we previously saw Ken Olant because he played the hunky guy in the Leprechaun movie. He was um, hot painter guy. Yes. Oh, okay. I did not, apparently did not recognize that. I didn't either until okay. after I got to look and I'm like, yeah, I guess that was him. I mean, he looked a little thinner in Leprechaun in a good way, like a more trimmed down. Not like he was not fat in this movie, maybe just more lean muscle. Yeah, it looked like more lean muscle mm-hmm. in uh, in Leprechaun. Uh, we have Griffin O'Neill playing Skip St. John, who's the a prank, a prankster whose uh, prank goes bad at the beginning of the movie. And uh, Muffy's cousin, uh, it's revealed toward, uh, well, it's it's said in the beginning of the movie, but we actually find out it's her twin brother. Oh. Um, 
And he was in Ghoulies Go to College, Soulmates, and The Wraith with uh, Charlie Sheen. Uh, we have Tom Wilson playing Arch Cummings. Uh, he's Biff Tannen. <laughs> what the fuck is up with these names? Uh, they are the most white bread names you have ever seen in your life. I well, mean, you've got Buffy, Muffy, uh, Arch, uh, Chaz. I mean, Biff. Th- yeah, well, I, his name's Arch Cummings, but I just called him Biff Tannen because he literally, like, he plays a version of, of Biff from the, you know, Back to the Future movies in this oh. movie. Like, that's what he's doing. Well, these names, too. I mean, not only that, the, the first movie you saw, even those had some fucking names. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I mean, I'm just so used to all these other slasher movies just t- taking like the person's like real name in real life and just adding like on some fake like surname to it. Yeah. And it's just, and it's just weird in this one. Um, but uh, Tom Wilson plays the goofball in this. He's he's a little bit more laid back than Biff Tannen's character in Back to the Future, which he, he was in, obviously. And uh, he's just done a ton of voice acting and TV appearances, especially in recent years. Um, uh, he was on Legends of Tomorrow and played a pretty good character on that, which was interesting because it's about time travel and that links back to Back to the Future. Yeah. Uh, we, we have Leah Pinsett playing Nan Youngblood, which that's a name in itself mm-hmm. right there. Uh, Muffy's friend and possible lesbian. Possible. <laughs> I was getting lesbian vibes straight up from the beginning. Just when they were reading well, the article alone, like that was one of the the choices for you know in I I don't know we'll just say they're reading fucking Glamour magazine or whatever, and yeah. it was an article and it's like what would you be interested in trying? The fact that they said anal entry was hilarious, um, <laughs> but lesbian was one of the options, and all of them were just looking at each other, and I was like, oh shut up. <laughs> Um, but it's funny though, because Arch in the movie specifically, there's like a scene where he's rejected by Nan and, and, you know, he's, he's talking like he's being filmed by Chaz and like outside. And he mentions, he's like, well, I've just came here to basically get with whatever women I can. And Nan's off the table because she's in the theater and you know what that means, you know? Oh God. And I was, I was like, okay, well, we, we get the We reference. get it. Yes. Uh, we have Clayton uh, Rohner playing Chaz Fazinski, uh, wannabe filmographer and into weird sex positions. Oh, um, was that the weird pretzel that we saw? Yes, that okay. is the weird pretzel that him and Nikki were into at one okay. point in the movie. Perfect. That was funny. Uh, he kind of had a look of like Robert Downey Jr. from the 80s in this movie. Like, you know, the, the spiky, fluffed up hair, the, the trench coat look, and, you know, sort of that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, Deborah Goodrich plays Nikki Brashears, who's a straight up hoe, but she's fun. Like, I mean, aren't hoes fun? They're all fun. <laughs> she's she's more so than some of the others. I mean, you get some of the bitchy hoes like oh, Denise yeah. Richards' character in Valentine, mm-hmm. but like, she she just, I mean, she's up for a good time. Like, and I and I, I've got it in the quotes, but I love her version of that Glamour magazine response. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Jay Baker plays Harvey Edison Jr., who's a wow. Southern yuppie. <laughs> With the most prestigious name. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he fits that Southern old tycoon, you know, from Texas type personality. The only thing that makes his name not prestigious is it's Junior and not the second, you know? Harvey yeah, Edison the second, you know? Yeah, they, sh- they should have done that. That would have classed him up a little mm-hmm. bit. 
Uh, we have Lloyd Berry playing the ferryman. Uh, he's actually in Scary Movie as the homeless man. <laughs> wait, the homeless man or the man that was in the middle of the street? Oh, wait, no, no, no. There was a homeless man. Okay, never mind. The one that threw the sandwich. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. That's, okay. That's, and that's hilarious. There's always links between these movies when we do <laughs> them. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, we're covering two movies that this one random guy has been in. <laughs> and he was also in an episode of Supernatural, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, we have Tom Heaton playing Constable Potter, but also Uncle Frank is revealed toward the end of the movie. And uh, he was in Slytherin Shanghai Noon. And then rounding out the cast is Mike Nomad, who plays Buck, who is the local deckhand and makeup effects artist. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I. It took me a moment. I'm like, makeup effects artist, like for the film. Never mind, Raina. I'm tired. <laughs> I don't have coffee in my system. Um, wanted to say real quick about... Um, Tom Heaton in Slither. Oh, my God. I can't wait till we review Slither. That is all. Uh, yes, we will be covering that next season because that is clearly a zombie movie. Yeah. So. Uh, and uh, it will be paired with uh, Night of the Creeps because yeah. I feel like it may be stole from that movie. Oh, we'll that. that'll be a fun comparison because I have not seen Night of the Creeps. Uh, we might even have to, I, I don't know if we'll cover all three of them, but there is a movie called Slugs that's also <gasps> in that same, that yeah. has the same general thing, and it's like all three movies were like the same concept. We might. I mean, we're doing three movies now. Why the fuck not, you know? <laughs> Uh, synopsis, a group of college friends are invited to spend spring break and play a few pranks at the luxurious island mansion belonging to their friend Buffy St. John. Oh. Uh, well, it's actually Muffy, but Muffy, you know, yeah. Buffy later on. Whatever, tomato, potato. We get it. <laughs> uh, things quickly take a turn for the horrific when one of the group's practical jokes ends up costing a local deckhand half of his face, uh, which is actually a very good effect of this movie. I was surprised when mm -hmm. that guy came up out of the water. Yeah, and you know what he even threw it more? It was the way he was throwing his body. Oh, I, yeah, I and think the that, screams. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. That I guy, like, I, he acted his heart out. <laughs> I, it was it was legit. Like, I mean, all the movies we see with just the kills and stuff in them, like, no, but, like, he put so much effort into that. I, I mean, he sold the pain that that oh, character yeah. was in. He did. I was like, oh, my God, because they were like, calm down, calm down, and he was not calming down. And I'm like, and it's weird because, yes, it looked like he was in pain and he was screaming, but more than anything, it looked like his body was, like, rejecting the pain or something. Like, something was happening. It was good. Yeah, it really was. I, I was I was like, oh shit, and we're I mean, this is uh this is gonna be an interesting movie with that kind of stuff going on. I was glad when it finally um, happened because it felt okay, I could be wrong, but it felt like a fucking slow burn to me. Even though we had a prank. Um, it, it it was, but like I said, it was more of a relaxing movie than yeah. to me. Um, but afterward, the body after that horrific scene, the body count rises as the college students are killed off one by one by an unknown slasher. Where did Muffy go? What exactly did Nikki do after her first sexual encounter or during her first sexual encounter? And finally, how many damn lights does Rob got to turn off <laughs> in this fucking place? <laughs> I loved that. You know what's even funnier about that scene? And I don't know if you've done this to your house. Have you gone LED with the bulbs in your house? Uh, Some of them, yeah. Okay. If you haven't gone full LED, and I know it can be expensive to do the entire house, it cost us, I don't even know, I think $700 when we first got our house. That's how old our LED lights are, and they are still the same bulbs we have in our house. They last forever, uh, and our electricity bill went down a couple hundred dollars, so highly recommend. Oh, and they don't get hot. That's what I'm getting to. Uh, well, 
that's the one issue we have is that I don't know if it's if it's because we have older like electrical like you know lines in this house or uh-huh. whatever, but we've and and maybe it's because I don't I've not invested in the good LEDs, but mm-hmm. the ones that we've bought that are more affordable, the damn things burn out like quicker <gasps> than the old style did. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, like we I've had to replace the lights in the kitchen like. We've been in this house for, you know, like, well, probably about five years now. And like, it's, or getting close to that in October. And like, I've had replaced those light bulbs. Like, I feel like every four or five months consistently, consistently. You so, know, honestly, I think um, we're probably, we've probably been spied on for years because I think we got some from China because they were more <laughs> affordable, obviously. They still work though. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, other ones, I don't know, uh, Home Depot, but the Home Depots were so expensive. But anyways, when he was touching the bulb and turned, like, he was like, ah, Oh, yeah, and it was burning his hand. Yeah. I felt that pain. I, I was like, yeah. oh, shit. I, I did, too. I'm like, that shit fucking hurts. And I haven't had that pain because of LED bulbs. But <laughs> that was um, funny. That, that took me back. I thought you were going to say something effective if he'd had that option, which, you know, it was in the 80s, so you wouldn't have. But, like, now you can, like, remotely turn them off with, like, your phone and stuff, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, but then you'd have to have the Wi-Fi, and I don't know. That's too much fucking around. You mean the lights connect to the Wi-Fi? What kind of <laughs> Chinese spying are we doing? Yeah, I don't all know. kinds. <laughs> uh, body count in this is eight, but they're all fake, so. Boo. Uh, well, way to spoil the movie. <laughs> Reverend, there, this is a spoiler cast. Yeah, Come on. you know the good people are waiting till the end of our review to find out what's going on. Um, Skip St. John is decapitated off screen by Buffy. Head scene in the island well. <laughs> I love the island well. Uh, yeah, there's actually some uh, real life stuff to that well that I'll get <laughs> into in the trivia. Uh, uh, yeah, it's gross. Grody. Uh, Arch Cummings is decapitated off screen by Buffy. Head scene in the island well. Mm-hmm. Now, that's and his. I'll say this: Biff Tannen's decapitated head is the best effect of the movie because yeah. it looks better than the other ones do. Oh, like it, it was like, like him. Look, as soon as that thing popped out, I knew who he was. Okay, there was question about other stuff in there, but his head, we knew who that was. It was so good. Yeah, it was. Uh, Nan Young Blood is has her throat slit off screen by Buffy, and then her body seen in the island. The well. whole body, no titties on that body. Uh, no, I didn't notice that. Um, that's what it was off. Well, outside of the well, but I was like, whoa. I didn't realize she was that flat chested. Okay. Uh, Chaz uh, is stabbed in the groin off screen by Buffy, mm-hmm. and his body is seen. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, Nikki uh, Brashears is stabbed to death off screen by Buffy, body seen. Uh, and that's one of the biggest complaints about this movie is that all the deaths occur off screen. And yeah. uh, if they would went the route of showing them, which I know they didn't because of how the, the it reveals that they're faked, uh, it would have went a long way toward, like, you know, making some of these more interesting. Yeah. Uh, Muffy is decapitated off screen by Buffy with an axe, head scene. Uh, that's probably the worst one in the, in the movie. Like, it's toward the end, and, like, her head looks, it doesn't look good, I don't think. But, yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> Muffy St. John, uh, again, is seemingly killed by having her throat slit by, um, uh, it says unnamed woman, but it looks, it's Nan, but, like, that's a joke, too, at the end of the movie. Um, so, quotes uh, from Harvey, I know you th- uh, think I'm a hick, but I'd like to change your mind about that if you'd give me a chance. And then Nikki asks him why, and Harvey says, because I would really like to plow your field. That's a good one. That's a real good one. <laughs> That is the quote. 
uh, Chaz watching Kit and Rob through binoc- binoculars. A uh, respectable young Quaker couple returning from a quiet afternoon of nonviolent sex. <laughs> <laughs> the, the dialogue in this movie is actually really good. Yeah. i got to give them credit for it. <clears throat> Uh, Chaz, uh, just hearing his voice, uh, why don't you tell us something about yourself? And then Nikki's like, oh, all right, something about myself. Um, I want to work with handicapped children. My parents are my best friends. Oh, and I start con- uh, convent school next summer, and I fuck on the first date. <laughs> April Fool's. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. Uh, Chaz, hey, guy, your fly is open, and your hostess Twinkie is hanging out. Oh, my God. Uh, Chaz, again, uh, boy, Muffy, you really know how to make a guy look forward to dessert and then arch says please god let it be ding dong oh yeah (laughs) and then nikki the best part of the movie reading magazine the magazine quiz my first experience was a painful and degrading b not so hot but i really cared about him c i was ready to try again d wildly exciting i had an orgasm and then it goes around the room and when it comes back to her about her response she says um a and d painful and degrading wildly exciting i had an orgasm wow (laughs) I, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. Nikki, Nikki's, uh, she's out there. She's, uh, she's having a good old time. <laughs> uh, well, let's just get in the review of the movie. What do you think of the visuals on this one? Actually, well, obviously, really good because scenery obviously was a thing in this movie for both of us. Clearly. Yes, and the lighting, I, I didn't think of it much at first when they were on the dock setting up the movie. I'm like, oh, it's got that, you know, cheap, uh, you know, like 80s uh, flat film. lighting that, yeah. that you see. But then whenever they got to the island, like, I was like, oh, my God. Like, yeah. It's perpetual golden hour in this movie. It like, was this serenity at its best, you know. Um, I mean, the, but that's that's kind of the natural lighting I think the lighting of like indoors uh, was exactly what you said that, you know, standard flat look, but it wasn't terrible. No. And um, uh, what did you feel like the, on the, uh, I mean, the pranks that were being pulled in the movie? I mean, this is kind of outside some of this other stuff, but like, I mean, the, the movie really goes whole, you know, hog into this whole, the idea of the April, April fool's day. And it shows like exploding cigars. Oh, that was hilarious. Um, the chair, uh, my favorite was the chair that when he would sit down, it would, you would fall off of it, but then it had springs, so it would load right back up. That was pretty fucking funny. And it, and the fact that it happened to him twice, yes. you could just see the look on his face. He's like, like, what the fuck? Like, I'm so sick of this place. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the heroin paraphernalia was like, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and that was interesting because I didn't realize this toward the end of the movie, but that was like, because Muffy knew like her friends like start dark stuff about their past. It's like this, and it, that's a hell of a prank to pull on people. Yeah. Because she, uh, Harvey, she brought up the fact that he was in a car accident that killed some people. Um, for Chaz or whoever it was that was looking into that at the time, it was like past drug use. I mean, um, for Nikki, which she claims it wasn't for her, but I mean, given everything else in the movie, it had to be, and she found the BDSM gear. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it was, I mean, that's, pretty shitty i mean you know like even if you are trying to like you know prank them in the overall sense of like you know trying to set up this dead and breakfast or whatever but i mean it's uh it was kind of it's like are you really our friend like this is some fucked up shit right now yeah um i also like the doorknobs coming off constantly they was having to put those back on and they did the whole weird, the whole Scooby Doo thing with the eyes behind the oh. the, the painting, and it ended up like it was with the Felix the Cat clock or whatever. That was 
creepy. But then when they found the head behind there, that was yeah. good. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It was a good reveal on that scene. Yeah. Uh, and that ties into the visuals. The the effects, I'll go, I'll go back to that, that deckhand guy. Like, that, oh, that yeah. eye coming out of his head, that was good. Like, yeah, that looked, I don't know, that looked pretty real. Uh, and, it, and there wasn't a lot of blood and stuff, so you can't really compare that. But, like, the decapitated heads, like we said, the ones in the well, they, they did their part. Like, yeah. they, they look legit. Uh, story, it it was interesting. It wasn't mm-hmm. like, I mean, I wouldn't say it was anything to write home about. But, like, I mean, it was, I mean, the fact that it was like she was pranking all of her friends to, you know, to see if she could set up, like, this murder mystery. Like, this would be... The, if, can you imagine if somebody did this in real life? Like oh if they, God. you know, set up a like a a place that you could stay at, and you were basically living in a slasher movie. I think people would go like crazy over something like that. Yeah. Um. Well, and like I'm trying to. Okay. So the ending. Again, I'm really tired. So, and I was tired when I was watching this, but at the ending, so we're gonna go there. They're all at the end. They're they're just waiting for her. She walks in and she realizes it was April Fools. So were they all in on it, or did they find out at some point? They they say that I think Nikki says that she's like, because uh, uh, Kit looks at her and was like, "What the fuck, guys?" Basically, I mean, yeah. she doesn't say it that way, but like, and they were like, "Well, we didn't know either until like it happened to us," and then we were like, "Okay, you know, we'll go along with it." That's the way she phrases it. So each every person. Other than the brother who started it off, or the you know that was portraying the cousin Skip, yeah. everybody else was in the dark about it. Like they had no clue. Yeah, uh, which is funny because Arch comes like in a hair of getting like bit by what we assume is a poisonous snake. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, uh, excuse me, like. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to pull a prank on people, but I mean, for fuck's sake, I mean, it's like one person. I mean, you, it's if she goes through with this idea, she better have some good insurance and lawyers. Is all yeah, I can say. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because people can get fucking hurt. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they they reveal that they wasn't in on it until after their death, and then they just went along with it to you know keep the joke going, basically. Yeah. Um. It's an interesting concept. I, I'll, I'll give them that. Like I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think about that until uh, you know, like that being an option till the end of it, and then I saw it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's what they've done. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you one of the perks of being so tired when I watched this movie was that I was definitely April Fool's out because I was like, what? Like, what's <laughs> what's going on? what this is an april fool's and i was uh, like a little bit disappointed at first i'm not gonna lie i was just like oh that's so cliche but then i was like well the movie is called april fools um you're the one who thought that this was a real slasher so jokes on you bitch and then i was like i mean it is you gotta admit it's fucking genius you know yeah, I mean, it's the only thing that, that spoiled it for me is because whenever I was compiling the notes, as I, you know, right before I watched the movie, one of the sites I went to confirmed that the the, the deaths were all faked. And I'm um, like, oh, okay. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. Wait, question. Was this your first time watching this film? It was, yes. Oh, yeah, mine too. But I've always so, okay, we talk about the blockbuster days. I have always seen this film. I always remember the little, you know, braid into a noose and the knife behind her, you know, back. And I always wanted to see this movie. And so it was kind of, it's kind of cool that I finally been able to do that. 
Um, that reminds me of something because this uh, there's that that cover is on the, the the copy that I have from Scream Factory, but also the outside cover is one that they newly did that has like Barbie doll you know style like characters, which is actually in the movie. They when they go up in the attic, they are I believe Kit and um, and her boyfriend uh, Rob or I believe his name is uh, saw like the uh, baby do- or like the Barbie doll versions of and how they the characters were murdered. You know, yeah. Uh, it, matching up i actually think that was a, a just a cool little scene in the movie like they took like the barbie and ken style dolls and then they had like the one of nan like laying in a martini glass or whatever with the <laughs> two floating heads of the yeah of the characters i thought that was pretty good that's pretty funny um Acting in the movie wasn't bad. I was actually no. surprised at first. I thought it was going to be terrible, but I mean, especially like Tom Wilson, like, I mean, his, you know, arch and then like, uh, the, you know, uh, Nikki in the movie was, I mean, played her part well. And then the actors who played the, the actual slasher, you know, Muffy slash Buffy, <laughs> there is a, there's a different, there's a very different personality that she took on the movie yeah she's very outgoing at first and like smiling a lot and all that and then whenever she makes that transition she's a completely different character in the movie it's called lions and lemons it's a <laughs> it's a theater thing that we used to have to do um yes it's to get it's kind of to show your different you know your different faces your different characters so yeah she had she had the lions and lemons yeah um and, and and like I said, the dialogue helped it along too. I mean, because I feel like they they gave you the vibe that they were having fun whenever they were supposed to in the movie. It didn't like seem put on or anything like that. Um, music was interesting because I did like that Bernstein music a lot. Yes, uh, the music the movie. was so appropriate for each scene. Um, really amped up what was to be coming too. It did that, and then at the end of it, having that Three Dog Night song, Mama Told Me Not to Come, is like the the big April Fool's reveal. Yeah. That's weirdly appropriate. Like, it I, is. You know, it, it worked. <laughs> I mean, do, do, you, do you feel the same oh, on yeah. that? Or? No, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that song, too. Uh, the only one that I didn't like, and it, this plays on like the uh, menu for the disc, is that one that's at the very end. This is the credits play, and it's like that old timey, like, you know, like I I didn't like that as much. I'm like, that's a little old timey for what this movie was, because um, that's one thing that I found interesting about this movie. We always go back, and we always assume that you know, like past generations were not as degenerate as, you know, current ones. Yeah. But like when you watch those scenes, especially with the girls, you know, talking about the magazine and like some of the, the stuff with the guys or whatever, it, uh, you know, they, they're talking about the same thing that like, I know we talked about whenever we were teenagers in the nineties and like, yeah. you know, and, and so it's like, okay, it's just interesting to see, you know, that they, that, you know, it, it's, I mean, even back then, they were talking about the same things, even if it was in a different context slightly. Yeah, I mean, the wording was just sli- it was slightly different, but it is, yeah, it is pretty funny to kind of hear that. Although the music you're talking about, I don't remember that, so. It's right over the end credits, and, and the okay. only reason I know it is because, like I said, it plays on the menu, and if you have the menu on for even a split second, it's like, it really kicks into it, and it's like this old-timey, like, vaudeville type you know, singer going, rah, 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 rah. and then, like, I'm just like, oh, I'm this, glad this not- I checked out then mentally, mentally, <laughs> or I shut it down. I don't even know because 
Um, you know, we I once had a rating called Snooze Fest. And although this movie was a snooze fest, it's a different kind of snooze fest, more of a relaxing fest, you know? But yeah, I was yeah. so fucking tired in this movie, watching this movie. So, but it's still good. Like, it wasn't like, I mean, I stayed awake. Let's give it that. I, I was surprised. I honestly enjoyed it. Not for the scary part of it, but I, I was actually enjoying, like, the actors, like, you know, doing their thing in the movie. And then, like I said, the visuals, because I was just like, just just something about that. Like, that whole, like, I was like, I wished I was there right now, like, vacationing, wherever yeah, they're at. I did feel that way, too. I was like, oh, my God, I would love to be there. And they made the house obviously look like, okay, it's got to be renovated and everything. But, like, you could see, like, they're opening up you know, curtains to windows. And I was like, oh, my God, this view is amazing. And it's like, wow, you know? Because I know they were kind of giving um, Muffy or Buffy or whatever the hell her name is a little bit of shit for the place. And then they're like, wait a second. This is actually really nice, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was like, it was super nice. And, I mean, they, well, they even comment in the movie about it. You know, Chaz, when he first comes in there, he's like, you know, uh, make you know destroy my bags. I'm not leaving, you know, or whatever, because it just was so nice out, you know? yeah. Um, anything else you want to discuss about the movie before we get into trivia? I mean, the one thing that I was going to say, it's interesting going back and watching these older movies, just because you know that like certain things are not that that's another thing I was going to make a comment about. Like you go back and you have like this movie that's like so freely talking about sex and all that. And it's like interesting for the time. But then you think about the times we're in and it's almost like we've regressed to like in a weird way to like the fifties where you can't talk about that stuff or you're going to offend somebody. Oh my God. Yeah. And you're going to offend them in a different kind of way though. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the conservative Christian. Like, I don't want to hear that. That's unbecoming. It's more like, uh, how dare you that, you know, there's other people out there that don't have that life experience, that sort of bullshit. But um, what do you mean? You don't take it up the ass. Are you (laughs) homo? Yeah. Yeah. There's that. But then, but that's the part I'm talking about. There's that scene where Chaz and Archer and the, and they, they have that joke. It's like getting the bed with me, you know, and like the wrestling around, it's like, you know, that is so funny. And it was hilarious, but, like, I can imagine somebody now, it's like, they're clearly straight, a heterosexual man. They should not be doing that, okay? Quit pretending you, you don't know, like, like a little gay for pay, okay? <laughs> it's just, uh, you see these little things, it's like, I just wish we wasn't in this kind of reality right now where, like, you, you can't enjoy anything without, like, people getting that butthurt over it, yeah. basically. Uh, but anyways, is there anything else you're going to say about the movie? Uh, no. Before we move on, nah, we can move on. Uh, trivia: While the crew was lighting a scene, Deborah Goodrich began reading a cosmopolitan questionnaire to her co-stars, which elicited a huge conversation that caught the attention of director Fred Walton. A few days later, Walton handed Goodrich the magazine and a new set of questions, and asked the actresses to improvise a scene, which wound up in the final cut. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it, it was uh, a good, like film. it was, a, it was a good. Not like trans, but kind of like what's going on at this house. It was a good scene for that, you know? It it grounded the characters, I felt like, because it gave them a, it was natural for the time for, you know, like someone their ages to be reading something like that. And weren't they at the same time, at that particular time that they were having this conversation, weren't they casing sausages or hot dogs? Yes, there was a, it specifically showed like somebody squeezing a sausage out onto yeah. the thing. It was very deliberate in showing that. Yeah, so I was like, here we go. Wiener jokes. Uh, due to the film being uh, light on violence, it received frequent airings on late night television where it gained a large cult following. Which I could see that. Yeah. I mean, all the, the kills are off screen. 
the cast assembled at a hotel in Vancouver, British Columbia, just prior to filming and began hanging out to build a rapport and to hone their characters to make it more believable that they were all actually friends. Oh, yeah. I, and, and we talked about this. They did a similar thing in, um, I believe it was uh, Bloody Valentine. Like, you know, hung out together right before filming oh, so they yeah. could be more natural. And that was that smart way. of them to do that. I and, mean, they were also in a small town, too. Yeah, and that made that made a big difference. But, I mean, like in this cast in particular, I mean, I feel like they sold the fact that these characters knew each other. I mean, uh, outside the ones who were not supposed to, at least. I mean, Nan was supposed to be the one that's removed from everybody in that sense. But, like, because, I mean, she's only friends with Muffy, but everybody else seemed to get along pretty well like they knew each other. Yeah. <clears throat> At the film's beginning, Griffin O'Neill's uh, character skip is blamed for a prank turned accident that leaves the ferryman disfigured in a bizarre case of life imitating arts o'neill was indicted on manslaughter charges the following year for a drug-induced boating mishap that resulted in the deaths of francis ford coppola's son (gasps) giancarlo coppola oh my god i didn't whoa yeah that's crazy (laughs) um yeah that that's insane i mean and that's I don't know why I didn't know about this because I mean that's fair. I mean Francis Ford Coppola. I mean you know yeah. Nick Cage's you know uh, relative or whatever. I believe it's his uncle. Like I mean that that's a big family in you know cinema. The fact that you know that happens crazy. Well, isn't Nicholas Cage's last name actually Coppola too? It is. I mean, and and his and his first name is like something, like I mean, completely. I mean, he just took on that name Nicholas Cage because yeah. I guess it sounded cool. He and he did. He said he didn't want there to be the the nepotism look like he was trying to just survive off that because he's also got a cousin named Sophia Coppola who's also pretty famous yeah uh Amy Steele uh, who played kid at one point was approached by a producer who voiced concerns that she had gained weight since filming had commenced Amy's response was well you hired this amazing caterer whose fault is that that's what I'm fucking talking about you tell him girl Uh, Deborah Foreman came in early to audition for Muffy St. John, but the director and producers didn't feel she was right for the role. They were close to signing several other actresses, but they backed out for various reasons. Foreman really wanted the part and petitioned for another audition. She blew everyone away at the second uh, time uh, around and landed the role. And this is from Muffy uh, St. John? Uh, yeah, the I one mean, who played St. John. I'm going to be honest with you. She was my least favorite character. She was, but she's also in the movie the least. Yeah, yeah, okay. I don't know. Because like she disappears as Muffy fairly early after she's introduced. And then when Buffy's around, she's just like uh, like a shell of the same character, basically. Yeah, so, okay. Well, I didn't like either one of those hoes, so. <laughs> but I agree with you. She is the least likable. But, I mean, she, you know, there's a slasher. Something about uh, her weird, the way she talks and her weird, sm- I don't know. I, didn't, I, did, I clearly did not just like her, and I feel so bad. I don't even know. Uh, Linnea Quigley was actually originally cast as that character, but she had to turn down the role due to scheduling conflicts with the return of the living dead from 85. I'm sure you're glad that that happened. Uh, I'm glad for that scene. (laughs) Uh, I'm not glad for this movie because Linnea Quigley, I would have liked to seen her as that character. I probably would have liked her. Yeah. She is very outgoing in most of her movies. I would like to see what she would have done with it. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you would have liked a scene what she would have done with it. 
Well, that's the one thing that I haven't complained about this movie. I don't know that they would have went that route. They come close with Nikki, and I was like, mm, she looks like she's got the goods. This could be very good. And then it's spoiled, but we'll get to that, like, you know, yeah. in, the, in, in the Death Holler Awards. Uh, director Fred Walton commented in the 2016 interview with Daily Dead that uh, when he began shooting the dinner party scene, there was no collective energy whatsoever, and the scene was flat. When they broke for lunch, Walton scolded the cast, and when they returned to the film, the rest of the scene, everyone stepped up their game. Yeah, you sons of bitches. <laughs> Get back in there and do your job. This is the happiest place on earth. You better fucking smile. <laughs> You're on a fucking nice-ass fucking river fucking house. Get it together. Get it together, folks. Be happy. Uh, the interior of the well scene was shot in a tank on L.A. soundstage at the end of production. The water was dyed to look murky, and crew members discarded Ugh. their cigarettes right into the tank. Deborah Goodrich spent so much time submerged in the nasty water that she left the set with an ear infection. I can't. She she gets the Death Holler Award for just being the best trooper for this movie. Yes, gross. That is, I mean, you could tell that water was gross, mm -hmm. but whenever I heard this, I'm like, fuck. I bet you they <laughs> spit is... in it, too. Yeah, yeah. Gross. Uh, one of the three, uh, this is one of the three horror films from 86 that actually takes place on April Fool's Day. Uh, we've already covered Slaughter High, but the other one is Killer Party. Ew. I don't know why this, why 86 was the year that April Fool's Day became the slasher, you know, uh, choice. But I mean, you know, like for that holiday, but that's what happened. Uh, a novelization written by Jeff Rovin was published by Pocket Books in 86. Uh, Rovin embellished a few, in a few instances. Uh, Muffy's maid was black. Uh, Rob cheated on Kit, uh, etc. But generally, it's very faithful to both movie and Danilo Box screenplay. The book was the first big tip-off for fans that the entire third act of the film had been removed. Uh, subsequently, photos from the lengthy deleted scenes surfaced on back covers of various home video editions. Wow! So what? So what they did? What happened was in the novelization, it includes character details and subplots not in the screenplay in the final film. Uh, just a few examples: uh, Rob is late to the ferry because he was fooling around with a married woman Ooh. at a motel nearby and had to rush. Uh, which is why his fly was unzipped at the ferry. I do remember that scene. Yeah. She points it out to him. Uh, Nikki and Hal gave into their love-hate attraction and actually have sex later on. So the yuppie who kept hitting on Nikki mm. actually got with her. Uh, Muffy has recurring nightmares of someone trying to kill her. And, of course, the now legendary lost uh, third act and alternate ending. Uh, and I think I've got that information later on in here about what that is. So... During a 30th anniversary reunion screening panel, Deborah Goodrich revealed that she was sent a script for an unproduced sequel several years after the film's release. Though she was sketchy on the details and couldn't recall the names of the two writers, the story found Chaz and Nikki, who had gotten married, uh, were bought down a closed-down porno theater on 42nd Street in New York that they planned to turn into a bed and breakfast. Uh, but then one of Chaz's college-aged relatives arrives for a visit. The games began again. Uh, Goodrich and her second husband actually in real life did this, something similar to this because they bought the Avon Theater in Stamford, Connecticut, where this anniversary screening was actually held. Wow. <laughs> um, and she does comment on that, that, that her and her husband own that, that uh, you know, theater that they, you know, uh, showed that sort of stuff. So... 
most people think the movie's theme song, Mama Told Me Not to Come, was written by Three Dog Night. Actually, they only performed this hit in 71. Randy Newman wrote it, but no one actually heard his 1966 version until Three Dog Night, one of the most famous successful cover bands in history, picked it up in 71. I wouldn't have thought that they wrote it, uh, performed it, yes. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't know, period, but it was clearly Three Dog Night's yes. version in this movie. Oh, so. yeah. Uh, this picture was shot entirely in British Columbia, Canada, with predominantly American actors. Uh, producer Frank Mancuso Jr. Uh, had acted in various producing ca- uh, capacities on four Friday the 13th films, which, like this film, were produced by Paramount, Paramount Pictures. Uh, and remember the name Frank Mancuso, because that actually comes up again in The Rise of Leslie Vernon in a weird, strange connection between these two movies. <laughs> Uh, there are several clues throughout the film which foreshadow the twist ending. One, in the first scene, Muffy can be seen propping open the window in the cellar through which Kit and Rob crawl in and discover the clues. Uh, this was deliberate and crucial to the climax that she had planned. Two, Nan says that she met Muffy in drama society. Her acting ability proved to be a vital asset in order to portray her fictitious twin sister, Buffy. Uh, three, Deborah Foreman's nails are painted red throughout the entire of the movie, a subtle clue that Muffy and Buffy are the same person. Uh, Muffy and Buffy announce uh, the water main must be broken. However, later in the evening when Nikki is packing her bag, she absentmindedly turns on the sink and gets <laughs> sprayed in the face with water. That was hilarious. A clear indication that the water is working just fine. And I, that's another one of the jokes in the movie that happens several times. Uh, as Buffy stabs the sliding doors that Kit runs through, you can briefly see a playful smile on her face, uh, subtle foreshadowing the fact that all the horror has been a hoax. And then all of the characters are killed off screen, thus providing clues to the audience that they did not actually meet their doom. Um, so this is the original ending that it had. Uh, it was way more twisted. In the original script, after Muffy reveals the whole weekend was a setup, the guests leave except for Rob, Kit, Chaz, and Nikki, who sneak back to the house to prank Muffy for revenge. However, when they return, Skip cracks and attempts to kill Muffy in a jealous rage. Rob jumps in and saves Muffy, killing Skip in the process. This ending actually was filmed but didn't make it into the cut as the studio opted for a more uh, upbeat conclusion. This ending is identical to how the book plays out. Nice. So they actually was a, a kill in the movie in the, in the original version. Nice. The film had an additional uh, alternate ending scripted at one point. In that ending, Muffy is left to believe she is alone on the island. Skip bursts out of a closet and cuts Muffy's throat. She screams only to have the rest of the characters thought to be gone into the room laughing. They pranked her back. So that's just a twist on the ending that's actually in the movie. Yeah, I would have liked that one better because I didn't like the very uh, gay ending that we got. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it, the one that we have in the movie still has the, you know, her like, you know, with the uh, the tie back to the jack in the box and then Nan pops out and yeah fake slits her throat. But I think it would have been more appropriate if Skip had done it. But I think it's interesting and spooky that both of these involve Skip like freaking out and then yeah. in real life he ends up killing somebody uh, like shortly after this movie. Yeah, well, I mean, when Nan slits her throat at the end, uh, she's very lesbian on how she's like so close to her and the way she goes, to, she she goes to kiss her near the lips but doesn't. She gets the cheek near the lips, but... Yeah. I don't know. It was very, it was, I don't know. There's also that scene in the movie. I just remembered, I didn't put it in here, but whenever uh, Harvey and Nikki are going through all the names for what, what Muffy could stand for, remember uh-huh. that? Uh, and then he calls her Muff Diver at one point. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, the ending and the final scene in Muffy's room were filmed three or four months after the principal filming ended, which explains the different hairstyles for Deborah Foreman and Leah Pinsett ah, who appear in the scene. I was wondering about that. It was weird. Yeah, so that's just a little bit about that. Um, getting in the Death Holler Awards, uh, what do you think about her final girl, Kit, who's actually the second time that that actress has played a final girl in the season? Um, I mean, she was the final girl. I don't have much to say about it. She, There's not much to yeah. say. I mean, she uh, spends, I mean, she she's not really a final girl in the sense that she actually stood up to the killer in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's another one of those ones where there's another guy with her most of the time too. And I feel like that takes away from the final girl. If, I mean, if there's a male that's kind of helping her through, like we talked about in Leprechaun, that's one thing that kind of soured me on, uh, Jennifer Aniston's final girl, besides the fact that she was a whiny bitch, uh, <laughs> is the fact that the hunky guy, which is the same guy in this movie, hilariously, yeah. um, is doing all the, the, the stuff for her. It's kind of funny that he, he's the final guy in yeah. both of these movies. Oh God. It is true. <laughs> um, the slasher. What do you think about Buffy St. John and not Muffy? Um, it works. Um, I mean, we don't really even see her too much until more towards the end. Cause even like, did we see her? Okay. I'm trying to remember during the snake scene, when she kicks the snake away, did we get to see her face? Uh, no. And I think it's revealed later that the person who actually pops up then is not even her. It's actually her uncle. Okay. That Frank. would make sense. Cause I'm like, uh, I don't know. Cause, Cause I, that was a, you know, a, a male's like feet or something, you yeah. know, at that point in time or in you know, boots, you know, obviously. But. For the film, it works. I have to remember everything comes together at the end where it's like, oh, Hey, we're going to turn this into like this horror, you know, a mansion that you could pay to have a this kind of weekend or whatever, and you and I would absolutely do that, you know? Oh, for sure, yeah, it'd be so great. So I got to remember, you know, and the acting, she's play, she's an actress playing an actress, so it works. So, yeah, she's, she was good. She, I feel like there's certain scenes in the movie where, I mean, it, it works. It's not like, the, it's not going to stand out amongst, like, the yeah. greats. But, I mean, but it works in the sense that also, like, the, the, the red, like, the way they did the makeup for her, she's got like the red rims or, you know, like the around her eyes, around her eyes to make her look, you know, more sickly and crazy. And, and the way that she went into that part of it, I mean, it, 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 it works. I mean, she did a, a good job of convincing, you know, that, that she's unhinged. Yeah. You know, uh, what the best fake kill in the movie, what do you think of, of that? I mean, they're all off screen. Mm -hmm. So which one do you think was the best of those? Um, Okay, so the the there's two that are the most memorable for me, and that's the one where the guy got hung because of the okay. way that he yes. was hung with his hands and feet, you know, behind his back that way. That was a pretty expert hanging. So there's that. But I also laughed at the one where the dude was stabbed in the groin because I'm like, that would that would suck. And although his life would be over, he wouldn't be dead. <laughs> Well, it would be if they hit the vein down there that, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, yeah. very, but there wasn't enough, there was not enough blood yes. to convey that. Exactly. That's the problem. So I don't know. I thought that was pretty funny. So I, it, um, there really was just funny deaths to me, really. Yeah, I agree. And the, the crotch one stands out to me. I, I'm throwing it out there. The best one is just Arch's uh, fake decapitation mm -hmm. because, like I said, his it clearly looks like Tom Wilson. That oh, yeah. Head, so. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, what do you think about the best prank of the movie? Oh God. Um, hold on. God, they were so fucking good. They were, I laughed so hard. Um, I guess, you know what? I want to say the chair, but realistically it was the the cigar because it was the conversation he was having. And then that thing just fucking pops in his face. I agree on the cigar. I, I put that in there, but also the lights that won't turn off. Yeah, like, that was hilarious too. That the character playing Rob was pissed off because his girlfriend had just outed the fact that I mean, without knowing it, I mean, it wasn't her fault. But he was, and he says it. I mean, and, and I thought that was a very natural conversation. By the way, I'm yeah. gonna give them credit because she's like, "Are you mad at me?" And he's like, "No, I'm just mad." And I've had that literal conversation with my wife before. It's like, yeah. it's it's like I want you to know I'm not mad at you. I'm just mad in general. So. You know, like that, that's very natural. Yeah. But like, he's so pissed off and then he has to keep going and flipping off. And every time he does, it turns the other one back on. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God. I mean, and her laughter too was pretty funny. Cause I don't care how serious of a conversation you just had. That shit was funny. It, it was. Yeah. Um, and, and so I have to give credit to those two. I mean, in particular, but there was a lot of good ones, uh, good ones otherwise in, yeah. the, in the movie. Uh, and it's funny about the exploding cigar because that links back to slaughter high because one of the ways that they pull that, that prank that turns dead or, you know, or almost deadly for the, the nerd in that movie is that one of them offers him a joint. And when he goes to smoke it, it keeps making this popping sound, but then there's like something in it that's making him like super sick to his stomach. And so that's when he leaves the lab where he's working at. And then the, the, the the captain of the soccer team whatever he is runs in there and like you know uh you know sets up the 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 whole thing to kind of like uh you know causes the explosion or whatever uh without realizing that's what's going to happen um it there's kind of the the similarities between the two somebody smoking something that you know has like the popping stuff to it yeah uh best use of a fake head uh i threw this in here just because chas forcing muffy's the captain head to giving him head oh. is, uh, is is pretty funny toward the end of the movie. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> He's sitting there making out with it while everybody's drinking champagne and he just keeps moving it slower and slower, you know, yeah. or, or lower and lower down his, you know, body. So. Oh my god. <laughs> Folks, this is not the only time in the uh, in in this podcast we will cover we will cover a decapitated head either giving or receiving head because yeah. that comes up again in zombie season. So, oh God. Yeah. Human horror too. Uh, that's probably true. I'm not thinking of one at the moment, but I'm sure you've got something. In mind it's that, on that French film. I keep forgetting the name. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's a scene. A tension or yeah, high tension. Yeah. 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 Uh, best scream. Uh, it's probably Nikki in the well. Like, yeah, I think she had a legit reason in real life to scream that way. Cause that was gross as fuck. So yeah. Um, <laughs> it, well, yeah, it was a more realistic scream, but I can't, no other scream stands out to me. Uh, no, there's and not even the final girl. She doesn't really scream that much in the movie. She's yeah. like more silent and she's more like she yells and like panic, but like not really a scream in this one. Uh, best boobs, not applicable folks, but <laughs> 
we almost get Nikki's, which would have been great because Deborah Goodrich looked like she had a good pair on her, but Harvey ruined all that because she happened to see him creeping on her when she was getting ready. She's leaning out the window in the scene, and she's got that shirt on that's, like, barely covering, you know, like, I, I, I don't even remember how, how that shirt goes, but I feel like it's split down the middle, and it's also, like, barely under her boobs on the bottom side, and, like, she's, like, leaning out and, like, stretching her arms, and you could see it, like, getting closer and closer, and then she sees him, and he's staring just like we are as the audience, and <laughs> she's like, Fuck you, and then she goes back, and I'm like, "God damn it, Harvey!" <laughs> Ruined it for everyone. Uh, who do you think the best side character is? I can't. You know what? I need to start writing down our our awards because I need to start paying attention to this. So, off the top of my head, I'm gonna say Arch because I feel like he had the most. Like wise cracks to make throughout the film. He did. Yeah, you're a hundred percent. That's who I chose was Arch because he had the best wise cracks. He had the best scenes when he wasn't around other people. I mean, because there's scenes of him just by himself, like pulling doorknobs off. Yeah, like, you know the the scenes in the chairs that keep falling yeah. with him. Like he he has the best scenes. Yeah, I mean the best comical relief. Period. So. Uh, how annoying is the Doom Prophet? The Doom Prophet in this movie, and it's a very short scene, is the constable or yeah. Uncle Frank because he's telling him. He, he, he's like, he looks at him and he says, have you been around Buffy lately or a Muffy? Uh, have you, um, do you, do you know anything that's going wrong with her? So he sets up the idea that there's something wrong with her. Yeah. Um, it's, he's not really annoying because he's not in the movie that long. Yeah. So. And he, I mean, he, he's doing it with an actual purpose and shockingly, he doesn't get killed. Um, no, he's one of the few doom prophets that mm-hmm. survives, but I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's that type of movie though. I mean, yeah. where nobody dies anyways, but like, and, and you're right. Like he's, he's a doom prophet for a reason. Like, I mean, and that's actually a smart thing for Muffy. Cause if you're going to set up like this whole slasher getaway for a weekend, you need a doom prophet yeah. uh, to set it up. And he does that. Oh, so, for real. Um, but wait a second. Again, did I miss something? The guy that got hurt at the beginning, he really got hurt? Or no, no. no. Okay. He, he, there's a scene later on when Rob is locked in the room. Kit's, you know, being attacked by Buffy with a knife. And he's still locked in there. And then whenever it's revealed to Kit that everybody's still alive, Rob is still locked in there, doesn't know anything about any of that. And then... Uh, the buck appears with his face torn up again, still looks great. And he takes the prosthetic off his okay. face and slaps it on Rob. Okay. I, I completely missed that. Yeah. And then, and then that's whenever they're laughing around the room and she reveals, it's like, this is our friend and the makeup mat, you know, yeah. artist, blah, blah, blah. Oh so. my God. He fucking sold that shit. Cause I was like, <laughs> what a way to ruin the weekend. If you really did get hurt, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, Honorary Franklin Award, um, I would probably give that to Harvey just because there's the times. I mean, he he's fine for most of the movie, but uh, the fact that he keeps us from seeing the the goods in that oh. one scene, he kind of earns it. Oh my god! <laughs> he does get a little grating at certain times in the movie too. Like, I mean, he really lays on that Southern yuppie vibe to a little a little much. Uh, dumbest moment. For me, was Kit and Rob going back into the house for the keys to the boat. I mean, I know that was the whole that had to happen for yeah. the final reveal, but like, just get the fuck out of there. Like, I yeah, but I how mean, are they going to get out of there? They need the boat. I know, but like, I just <laughs> like, I mean, 
I almost feel like at that point, like if you know you're going to go back in there and you know you're going to die, like I would attempt while some while the other person watched while I was on the dock to like try to hotwire that boat or something, like whatever it took to yeah. like, you know. I mean, and I'm not saying I could have done that. I'm just saying I would have done that before I would have set foot back in that house. That, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just feel like the amount of time you're going to, you're probably going to die. You you could just spend most of the time running on the island until help shows up on Monday, you know? Yeah, you could have done that too. Yeah. You know? But I don't know. I don't know what I would do. But I mean, it's not the worst dumbest moment we've seen in yeah, movies. Yeah, it's so. just the dumbest moment of this movie. Yeah, exactly. Um so, um, do we want to end it there for this particular part of the episode and then yeah. catch back up next time with the other two? Yeah, absolutely. All right. We'll see you next time, folks, for a scary movie and then the rise of Leslie Vernon.